Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. In his speech, that he would speak to us and we would hear from heaven what you would have to say. And thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. Wow. Good morning. How's everybody? Are we good? I'm good too. It's um, it's uh, good to wake up a nice cold morning, and it's good to know that I I drive Nancy crazy because uh, I I would uh, we're, we're in summer and or springtime. I, I mean fall, and we're in fall, and I, and I would say it's fall. Winter's coming. How could you say that? Let's enjoy the fall season. But now in winter, spring is coming. Believe me, and the weather will get warmer, and it's all good. But um, yeah, the message for today is uh, something I think uh, we always need a reminder of, and and to know your enemy, but also to know your Jesus. Two very important things: know your enemy. And know your Jesus, and uh, and we're going to be getting into that. And and before we get into it, uh, uh, because part of this thing is, you know, it's um, even the apostles who lived and walked with Jesus three years saw saw who he was, and there was not nothing that he could not do, and nothing he could not achieve. And yet, yet the the biggest spokesman was Peter, and and uh, and he was very vocal, and and from what he would say and do through the Gospels, there was nothing wrong with what he was saying and doing, but when it came to Jesus fulfilling fulfilling uh, what he really came for to suffer and die and sacrifice his life that we might have his love and forgiveness and be brought into relationship, unbroken relationship with the Father. In, in that place, in that place, in that moment, in, in our minds, we would say, Peter, man, he is practicing Positive thinking. You ever hear that term? Oh, God, I have positive thinking. I want to let you know this morning, positive thinking will only take you so far. It, it's what we need to do has a positive knowledge and revelation of all that God says about you and me. And believe it and walk in it. Here's the positive thinking. Jesus, I'll never, ever, ever forsake you. I will stand with you tall no matter what happens. Positive thinking. Man, that's positive. Jesus turned to him and said, you know what? Satan is after you. And I pray, I pray 
that he will not have the fullness of the end result. And what happened? Where did positive thinking take Peter to denying Jesus three times? Where did Jesus, the word, take Peter after he's failed to give the first message at Pentecost? So the subject, I'm not sure, the subject this morning is very, very important. Open up your spiritual ears and let them hear. Let them hear. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Anyone whom you've forgiven, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, I have forgiven anything and has, <coughs> has been for your sake in the presence of Jesus so that you will not be outwitted by Satan. Ooh. For we are not ignorant of his designs or plans. So in starting, we need to be aware that we have a formidable enemy that's a master at what he does. Just think about it. Just think about it from his beginning. Just think about it from his beginning. Because we have references of time past when he had a plan to rebel against God. And, he's, and he, he put his plan in, in, in practice, and he said, I am going to overthrow the Most High. He was good enough and masterful enough to, to convince a third of the angels to join him. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty clever person. But God, being God, threw him out of heaven. And he's been his, trying to do that. And we're going to find out how. And he, he's been doing that ever since man was created and we occupied the earth. We're not, not the ignorant of his plans. 2 Corinthians 11.14 So no wonder even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. Very, very important, and, and we, we, I wish we could get into more depths of these things, but you know what? Let, let, let's try the, a shocking thing. He'll come to you disguised as the Holy Spirit. And it's up to you and me to know the difference. It's up to you and me to know whether it's a counterfeit dollar or it's a real dollar. And, and that, that's part of our journey in life and growing with Jesus Christ and who he is. To be able to distinguish between darkness and light. Because the light that comes can be deceptive. Understand? Understand? 
Let's go on with this, all right? First Peter, of course, I love First Peter. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking anyone he could devour. And, and, and so, first, first thing, uh, have your watchful eyes open. Be, become aware, be, have an awareness that when you wake up in the morning and do life, you, you have somebody counter, countering who you are and what you are and trying to deceive you and send you in the wrong direction. And let, you, let yourselves know that I, I am entering a day that the Lord has made. He made this day for me and be, have foundationally know that. This is the day the Lord has made for me and I will rejoice in it because God is for me and not against me. He's, he's my direction, he's my help, he's my everything. So be sober-minded, you know, think, in other words, think clearly. Think clearly and be watchful. Watchful. Because uh, we're going to learn that the enemy is very opportunist. He, 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 waits, he waits on you for a moment of weakness, and he'll jump in. All right? John 10.10. 10. Satan is called a thief. What does a thief does? He steals. But now he does he steal, he kills, and he destroys. Counter, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Falling for his game plan will rob you. Falling for his game plan will have an attempt to slow, he'll slow you down so you won't go through the red light. Because he's, remind, I want to remind you, he, he does not like you and me. And, and his, he would like to kill you. He'd like to get you out of the way. The destroy part is, uh, is we see it so much in the church, the destroy part, wreck marriages, wreck relationships, put father against daughter, mother against son, father, husband against wife, cause chaos in the family. That's what that word destroy means. And he, he's, had, he's had his way in too many of our lives. He's had his way in this, too many of our lives. John 8, 44. <clears throat> now before I read this, I want to let you know, and you know, you guys are all Bible knowledge. That's really good. I want, you know what? I make a point of that. You know what? Knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not enough because knowledge has to be joined with the revelation of who he is. Information is not enough without the revelation that the Holy Spirit would give you and I who the God is who we serve. 
Well, what he's about to say here was something to the theologians of his time. Here, here's a guy is put up in and and put up in, in their synagogue, and these are the go-to people. These are the people that have the knowledge of God, but miss the revelation of who is before them, Jesus, the Son of the living God. They missed it. They missed who they saw in person in front of their eyes, and they were so, so involved with all what they thought was the knowledge of the scriptures. This is the one he's talking about. Here's what he's talking about. He says, you are of your father the devil. Imagine telling a theologian that your father's a devil. Man, Jesus was a pretty tough guy, man. He was, and he went after the, the leadership in the synagogues. And your, and your will is to do your father's desire. But he, he went into their hearts. Here, here's you. You're out to kill me. You're out to destroy me. You're out, you're out to attack me. And you think you have all the knowledge of scriptures? And you have all, all that that education that you receive, I want to let you know, your father's the devil. Your father's the devil. And he says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand for the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, that, that ought to help us defining who are we listening to and what are they telling me. Our enemy can't help but lie. You know, I thought, I thought about this. Before I was a Christian, one of the, one of the, the spots that... Uh, Positions my dad gave me in, in the business, amongst other things, running the company in the tool room, and then he finally moved me into production manager, and then he moved in into purchasing. And I kind of liked the purchasing. I mean, we'd go to the steel companies and buy different things and stuff like that. And and in order to get a better price, and it bothered me slightly, but I wasn't a Christian at this time, because you know it, we we have a conscience. But we have a conscience that can be getting messed up. And, and the, the more you, you go into the, the enemy's plan, the more you messed up. And all of a sudden, you get this place where your conscience doesn't even bother you anymore. But one of the things I would do, the guy would say, you know, uh, I, I'll sell you this deal for such and such a price. And then I would lie to him. I said, well, I got another price better. And this is what they did. If you can match that, I'll give you the give you the order. And then they would say, "Man, how could you get that one?" And sometimes, sometimes they would say, uh, "Well, I can meet you halfway." And I think then in, in that negotiation, I would say, "I got a better price." But then when I became a Christian, I said, 
lying became difficult. Because I, how can I do this? Just to get a better price, how can I lie? You know, that might, you, you know, little lies, you know, sometimes we say, it's all right, you know. But following that line of thinking, little lies become big lies. And what the saddest thing is, we lie to ourselves. Remember, our enemy, it's his character to lie. So it's very important for us to have that flag go up. Am I listening to the truth or am I listening to a lie? And then make a decision. And then make a decision. Enough about him and his tactics. There's more, we could discuss more, but we're not to be ignorant or lack of knowledge of who our enemy is. What about our Jesus? Who's he? Who's Jesus? Jesus, now Jesus, we have no record uh, between his birth and 30 years old. But we know one thing, he never sinned. Totally victorious. We only have a little glimpse when he was like a child, when he went in and talked to these knowledgeable people, and they were very surprised on how this young child would know so much. And then we have no record until we get to when he's about 30 years old. In Matthew 4, and in Luke 4, and we'll get into both of those, uh, when Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stones to become loaves of bread. But he, but he answered, It is written, before we get in that, uh, he was fasting, preparing himself for what God had for him. In the fasting, it said he was hungry. Something to note there. Hunger could be, you could define that as, I, I need some food, I'm craving, craving some food, or you might say, this is the opportune time of a small window of Jesus being weak. I'm hungry now. He comes to the, side, comes to the scene. says, hey, you're hungry? You're a son of God. I, I know that. Just tell those rocks to turn to bread and have yourself a little meal. <clears throat> Point and point and attack. You will be you and I will be visited in our time of weakness. Man does not live by bread alone. 
but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So evidently there's two kinds of food. Satan came to him in his weakness or hunger and said, make the stones to bread. Physical. Right? Physical. Jesus reminded him of another bread. Spiritual. Spiritual. What is that bread? The word of the living God. So, are we all, our choice sometimes, are we going to cave in for the flesh or be built up in the spirit? Are we going to have a nice filet mignon? Are we going to have an amazing promise from the word of God that we will hang our life on? That's a choice. Jesus reminded his enemy of that choice. That he, his life, depends on every word written in the scriptures. That are the promises of God, as we all reminded. He can't lie to us. He only tells us who he is, what he promises, and what he'll do. Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered again, It is written, you shall not you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And very important in, in this area, you know, I I kinda I kinda I kinda settled in on this one. There, there in the scriptures we're we're told about a, a fleece, right? Remember remember that guy who he put a fleece out. He said, you know, he threw it out, he said, you know, he said if uh, if it's do's on it or do's not on it, who does that? But, but I mean, uh, doing that is not really testing the Lord's God. It's trying to confirm. But what, what's testing him? What's testing him? It's, um, could, could be, uh, in, in, it, this, in this instance, he, he's telling him, that defi- the, the, the uh, challenge gravity, because you jump off, you're going to get held up, you're not going to smash on the ground, on the rock. And, and it's, uh, it's very, very important for you and I to get in that place that, and I guess for me trying to define that is... Um, Is uh, is trying to tell, trying to do something, act way, act somehow, or do something that that uh, I I already know the end results, and I'm saying, God, I'm going to go ahead and do this, and 
and I'll test you whether you're going to do anything or not. You, you follow that? I, this one I had a little problem with, trying to define for myself. Testing him, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's this place of, of just uh, saying, God, you know, uh, if, I, if, if, I, if I do this, will, I, will you really punish me for that? And then, and then, try be, be trying your God, and and uh, and rather than connecting with Him and embracing who He is. And he, and he, because Jesus told the enemy, "I'm not defying defying gravity on your behalf. Don't test God. Don't test Him." Hope that's clear. To me, that was a little hard for me to define testing, but it, it's uh, it's it's just something. To, uh, saying God, you know, put it, you know, hey, uh, if you if you do this, then I'll know you're God. No, you already know. He already revealed who He is. You know, so move on from there. Again, the devil took him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, I'm done with you, man. Be gone, Satan. Come on, be gone. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You know what, I, I think uh, we're in the morning prayer, we're, we're saying about how, how the enemy is really messing with pastors and leaders and the church and they're, and they're, they're falling and it's very painful to hear, hear the stuff that's happening even in the body of Christ. And, and I guess, you know, and this, this kind of hits in here that, that what does it mean? If you worship me, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll do this for you. I'll do that. It's it's whatever position you are in your company and your work and everything else. If your whole idea is getting acknowledged as I am the greatest, it, it's 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 appealing to. Self gratification, self acknowledgement, saying, "I, I, I am the one." And Jesus answered him, "No, he's the one." I mentioned this at church. Who's number one in this church? Come on, tell me who's number one in this church. Jesus, right? Jesus, right? And we'll never have a pastor named. Jesus, right? Because that wouldn't be, that's the wrong Jesus, right? <laughs> so, so it's, uh, so Jesus is number one. Jesus needs to be always the number one. He's the need, needs the one that we are reflecting and glorifying. And it's not, it's not about uh, uh, getting to some place where 
It's all about you. Doesn't that get us in a lot of trouble? It, come on, you don't have to be a, a CEO of a company. You, you, you're going to be a housewife. You're going to be a child. When all about you brings us grief. All about you makes you easily offended. Right? Right? So, <clears throat> so the devil, it says in Matthew, and the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. And, you know, and that's, uh, but Luke being kind of a, a doctor, a thinker, he took it a little step further in that same scenario. In Luke 4, amazing, this thing is in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, in the same chapter in both books. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. We have to know he's an opportunist. Back to the, when we're weak, psh, jump in. When we're discouraged, jump in. When, uh, when we're just, he's an opportunist. And, and really, the scripture proves out to us that he, earlier on we read in Matthew, he says, uh, he said, get away from me, get out of here. I wish, I wish, I wish as Christians, as the body of Christ, we could get to that place and say, Satan, don't bug me anymore. Get out. I'm done with this, and I'm going to do my life. And that would be a deception because there, that's not where we are, and that's not who he is. He is the opportunist. He, he, we need to be fortified on who he is, what his tactics are, but we also have to have the full knowledge of knowing who Jesus is. He's our victory. He's our helper. He's our forgiver. He's our lover. He's our everything. He's our everything. And as as I looked at the, as I looked at this, I said, you know what? Is there Father, Holy Spirit? Is there something else? In chapter four of Matthew, in chapter four of 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 Luke, that's really important. Rather than just the first part of that chapter, talking about how he was tempted and how he had victory over the enemy, is there more to it? And are they are what's there? Are they also in chapter four of Matthew and chapter four of Luke? Is there something there for us? And I, there is. There is. After this event ended, we'll do Matthew first. After the testing, after the testing, number one mentioned in Luke, Matthew chapter four, Jesus begins preaching. He, he had victory over the enemy, and the first thing mentioned in a chapter, he began sharing and preaching the word of God. And uh, 
and he quoted, it quotes Isaiah 9, 1 to 2, but it's written in Matthew 15 and 60. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the Galilee, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. First thing, remember, he comes like light. We need to acknowledge the true light. He began to preach himself, Jesus, I am the light of the world. And in, in that portion, he also preached repentance. So that he preached he preach repentance. What does that mean, to preach repentance? He's asking the listeners to change their mind, wherever their mind was, to change it. Change your thinking. Change who, what you think you are and who you are. He, he started preaching repentance. Then in Matthew chapter 4, the next event in that chapter, he called his disciples, only four mentioned. Peter and Andrew had a lucrative fishing business. He came to them. They saw him for who he was. And the word used in, in, the, in the NIV is at once they followed him. At once. You know what? That's an that's amazing thing to me. That here they were busy about their, their livelihood and everything they did to earn their income, pay their bills, and everything else. And all of a sudden, Jesus came along to be and said, Hey, guys, how you doing, buddy? How's it going? How's the fishing? Ah, not so good. Well, let's do this. Catch a load of fish. And he said, Come and follow me at once. They didn't go to their auditor. They didn't go to their lawyer. They didn't check it out with different people. It said at once they left their nets and followed him. Then it goes on, James and John, more businessmen, but their business going, fishermen. Same scenario. Different word, though, and I don't know whether in Greek it's a different word, but the NIV uses a different word. It says immediately. Peter and Andrew, at once. James and John, immediately. Recognize who he was and says, man, I'm, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. 
I didn't go to my auditor to find out how I'm going to pay my bills. I, I didn't go to my lawyer to make sure I got a right contract here. They just said, who is this? Wow. I'm following you. As far as the record, I can tell in Scripture, they don't, they don't really tell about it, but they, for three years they, they hung around with Jesus, and I don't think they had any problem paying their bills, taking care of their families, and taking everything they needed, even though they left. They left their, their main business as fishermen. And they made that decision quickly. Yeah, you know, I pray for you and I. You know, uh, we have we have this formidable enemy, and comes as a light deceiver, liar. Uh, doesn't know how to tell the truth and everything else. And and I pray for you and I. I pray for you and I that that we will recognize that quickly, and and it's important to recognize it quickly and say, I'm following Jesus. I know his word and what he says. And I, and I can define for myself when I'm being lied to or what the truth of the word of God is. Thirdly, thirdly, in Matthew chapter 4, he began a ministry of healing. And and. And this word all is very problematic for all, all of us, I'm sure, because it says he, everyone, he healed them all, all of them, of pain. I love that, pain. Uh, you know, we can take our Tylenol and maybe take care of some pain and stuff. Pain seems like something very insignificant that Jesus is interested in healing you of. <clears throat> Demon possession. In the crowds that he was working with, there is a, a number of them that were believing the lie, falling for untruth, latching on to what Satan would tell them rather than what God would tell them, and he was delivering them from that. Seizures. Uh, and paralyzed. These are a little more difficult things, but not too difficult for him. Heal all of them. Heal all of them. And you know what? It's, um, I don't know about you, but, that, but that's, that can be problematic. Because and and I think I know where I'm coming from with that and, and I and I say God you know give me more faith you know sit, get me to a better place because I want to see more of your children healed and taken care of and made well and in in that journey for myself is here's here's the battle here's the battle. Uh, my my evidence is what I see. When I am challenged in my own life, the evidence has to be what he said. 
and my my whole my whole thought life in 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 the era of healing and, and deliverance and helping people set free, it, it really is challenging because it's on what I see or what I'm not seeing. I, I pray for something, somebody, and nothing happens. And that becomes my evidence. Nothing happened. When God is challenging me to say, you know, faith is not based on what you see. It's based on what you don't see. And, and, the, and the move myself from a mode of operation of just seeing and seeing nothing happening to what did God really say? And what did he say? Because that, that has to have more weight than what I see possibly not happening. In Luke, a little different, not too different, but, but in that same chapter after the temptation of, of Jesus, it's very interesting. The first thing that Luke gets involved with is rejection. Jesus rejected. How do you all handle rejection? Not fun, right? <laughs> Not fun to be rejected, you know. It's it's amazing. Right after a battle with Satan, right after victory over the enemy, he goes into or it's that scripture. He goes into a synagogue and and they ask him to read from Isaiah. He says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me." Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and remove and recovering to the sight of the blind and set at liberty all those who are oppressed. All, heal all. And proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Wow, I think that'd be a hallelujah moment. Wow. That goes out. Man, Jesus just read that to us. Wow, that's so exciting. That should be exciting. But you know what? They weren't excited about that. Because in between those and that, he has some, some discussion with them about who he is and why he's there. And he, he, he is who he says he is. He's the son of the living God. And all of a sudden, when they were hearing what he read and what he was saying, he says, when they heard these things all in the synagogue, who? Those God people? Were filled with wrath. Angry. Wait. He's saying counter to what I believe. And they rose up and drove him out of town, brought him to a to, uh, him to a, a bow of, of the hill on which he, their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. 
steal, kill, destroy. But our Jesus, he just, passing through the midst, he went his way. See you guys. I've yet to accomplish what God sent me to do. Secondly, Luke says, he drives out impure spirits. First challenge, rejection. He, he just beat the devil over the head. And then man rises up to try to reject his identity. Didn't work. Then he goes out and drives out impure spirits. And when they came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice. Very interesting. Uh, the devil has to get loud to try to get your attention. And this is just me. Some pastors think they got to get loud to bring across truth. So, and the, the, ha ha, what have you done? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And, and uh, there's other places where Jesus got loud, but it doesn't say he got loud here. It just said, Get, get out. Leave. And, and when the demon had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, having done no harm, having done him no harm. And they were all astonished and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. And the report about him went into every place in the surrounding region. Key point here. Key point here is something that you and I have, but I think we, we need to operate in it, or more and we need to use it more. Uh, and it's mentioned twice here. It says, his word possess authority. And then again, you get the people viewing what happened, they said, what, who is this with such authority and power? Now what we, what we came up to, you know, describing the enemy, he's a liar, He's not a truth teller. He's deceptive. He's an opportunist. He's, he, comes, he comes to us and, and, and tells us lies and untruths. And, you know what, and, and what, what, he's, what did Jesus give you and I that is greater than power? 
authority. He said, I have given you, me and you, authority over all the power of the enemy. We've defined that he's, the enemy is, it, man, he tricked a third of the angels. He messed with Peter. He messed with Peter when, when he said, I'll stand with you to the end. I will never forsake you. And he denied him three times. Self-effort couldn't get Peter not to deny him three times. But if Peter knew his authority, over all, that word all again, A-L-L, power of the enemy. <clears throat> you know what? It's, um, there's a semi-truck coming down the road. Police officer stands out there. All he does put in the semi-truck, slams on his brake. You know that semi-truck could squash that guy. But because of his uniform and his badge, he has authority, and that semi-truck comes to a stop. Authority, but it's not just authority, it's knowing your authority. Knowing, knowing, what have I said to this church over and over again? Uh, do you and I know who we are? Do you and I know, actually know who we are in Christ Jesus? Do we know who's living in us? Do we know that we do we know that we have authority over all the power of the enemy? Do we know his promises? Do we know do we know what we can and what we can't do in the kingdom? And do we do we exercise build up those muscles exercise that authority in our life? And not to be overcome, but to become overcomers. Not to be a victim, but become a victor. Do you know that? Do we know, have, have we any idea of the authority that we have in Christ Jesus? Yes, authority is something I suggest you get a hold of and get knowledge of who you are. Know who you are. Know who you are and whose you are. Get that? Who's, whose you are? Man, I am the child of the living God. Man, all those stories in the Old Testament when they they took went to battle, they won victories and everything. Because they know who they were and they know whose they were. Wow. Yeah, when I, when uh when, I, when I'm faced in the business world or whatever, the biggest challenges of life 
uh, the other, not long ago, I, Ellie works for me, and I, she does the purchasing and stuff. And 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 uh, I, she said, "Oh man, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to get this. I don't know what." I say, "Ellie, Ellie, Ellie, I tell you, want to tell you how I find out what to do and how to do it? How's that, Byron? How's that?" I said, "I ask God. I ask Him." And and he helped me find it. And and she put a big smile because right after those conversations, and this has happened several times. She looked at him and said, I found it! I found it. I said, Of course you did. Of course you did. You know what? Back to, back to the thing. Uh, whether it's pain or something major, like cancer or anything else, with Jesus is just as interested in your headache. As he is interested in you, what the enemy might attack you with some terrible disease, and you know what, headaches, whatever they are, whatever we 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 know, what we know from here, glean the word of God. Sickness doesn't come from God. And we can have authority over that because there's a root comes from the pit. Then, in Luke, heals many. First, reject it. <coughs> then, exercises authority. Now, in the same chapter, heals many. I love what Luke brings out in this. A little different than Matthew. Simon's mother was homesick. And uh, Jesus came into the house. Now, culturally, in the Greek culture, right? The Greek culture, right? And I think a lot of culture, you come in the house, oh, want a cup of coffee? Oh, want a, want a donut? Want a, I'll, I'll fix you something. And I think that's true. Of it. I know it's true of the Greek culture, but it's all cultures. I mean, you don't have somebody come to your house and say, I'll just sit down, I'll talk to you later, maybe. But, but you want to, it's the whole idea of welcoming someone in your house. So Jesus was welcome into this house. And, and, and Simon's mother Mother-in-law, sorry, mother-in-law, that could be a really tougher one than the mother, but his mother-in-law uh, was sick in bed, and probably everything in her cultural mind was, I have this guest in my house, I need to fix a meal, do something, do something. And Jesus took care of the situation. And the mother-in-law was healed. And what did the mother-in-law do when she was healed? Waited on them. I think there's more to this than just her being sick. Jesus walking into the house. She gets healed. I think we have to slow down and think about waited on him. When God took you out of a difficult time, was that life transforming enough to change your attitude? 
was 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 that life transforming enough to always have thankfulness in your heart? Is that life transforming enough to say, I'll actively says wait on wait on actively want to do things in Jesus' name for others? Or is it forgotten and life goes on? Worked all night healing the sick and casting out demons. You know, this defines for us a work ethic. A work ethic that Jesus, Jesus demonstrated. Demonstrated. And the crowds were, when they heard about what he was doing and things were happening, it, it, the crowds became massive bringing their stretchers and their broken legs and their coughing and their even their headaches and everything, bringing everybody to him. And when he saw the crowds, it said he worked all night. All night. His hey, get an image of how compassionate Jesus is on your life. How, how he will do the night watch for you. Well, the psalmist says he never sleeps nor slumbers. And we, we have a God that, that even when you lay your head on your pillow and are sleeping, that he's working on your behalf. He's demonstrating our God to us when he saw all these crowds and all these people, and all night meant all night. And I, and I know at work, I know, you know, physically that can be very demanding and, and very difficult. I remember we, we had a, a job go sour, and I was up for 36 hours, no sleep, trying to get some. And man, you're, you're, it messes with you. But Jesus was willing to work all night to minister to people. Well, how do we know it was all night? Because he was still doing it at daybreak. Daybreak, he went to a solitary place. <clears throat> when our work is heavy and our load is heavy, remind ourselves that we have to put aside time to recharge in the presence of our mighty God. He, at daybreak, he separated himself to a quiet place to reconnect with his power source, his Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. And even in this tiny moment of rest, the crowds found him. And they had a good motive. They found him. They, they said, we don't want you to leave. 
We don't want you to leave. And he said, you know what? There, there's other towns and other, other people that need me. A sideline here to glean out of here is we have to have that same heart. I don't want the presence of Jesus to be very distant from me. I want to cling to him and the knowledge that he's clinging to me. Now in closing, one scripture from the New Testament and one scripture from the Old Testament are somewhat similar. To, to kind of pull this all thing together, we have an enemy that's relentless, opportunist, very clever, comes as light when he's full of darkness. He's deceptive. He knows how to push your button. He knows to identify when you're weak. And he knows how to mess with us. Back to the beginning. Even Peter, as sincere he was, and hope we're sincere, as sincere he was, and saying, all of these may not, may forsake you, but I'll never, never. And yet he denied him three times. But Jesus had patience to work with Peter where he became the first one to preach the good news. And thousands believed. John 1, 5-4. For everyone who has been born of God. Y'all born of God? Y'all? Y'all were even born? Huh? You know? Remember, remember that day? Yeah, I remember I was sitting on a toilet. Wow, the crazy place, but that's where it was. You know? And, 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 and God came into my life and started to transform my life and change my life. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. So that stinking liar, deceptor, and everything else, God wants you to know, God wants you to know that know him, know his word, know his truth, know his promises, because he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He always speaks the truth. Know what that is. And he's saying, knowing that you have come in a relationship with Jesus Christ through accepting him and receiving his sacrifice, you're an overcomer. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Faith has to be in something, not just out there. Faith is in what Jesus did, what Jesus is doing, that Jesus is coming back. Faith also needs to be on all, there's thousands of them, promises, that God has in his word. Faith has to have an object, something to believe in, and that he's our provider, he's our healer, he's our helper. He's, all these verses that talk about 
all he is. Who overcomes the world? Even our faith. But our, it's just not blind faith. It's faith in a person, Jesus. It's a faith in promises of a God that never could lie. That's an overcomer. You're an overcomer. In Deuteronomy 24, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against the enemies and to give you victory. Very important in ending this, this message. We're not going to accomplish anything in our own strength. And if you think you are, I'll tell you something. You're setting yourself up for failure. Let, allow God to do your battles. The Lord our God is he who goes, went, goes with you to fight for you against your enemies. And as we discuss, we have a huge enemy. And you know what? It's mild to say the devil hates you. It's mild to say the devil wants to kill you, destroy you, shut you up. But we have a God. We have a God. We have a God that is quite able to fight for us. The whole idea is allow him to. By faith, allow him to fight on your behalf. After all, Paul was told, my strength, God's strength is becomes visible in our weaknesses. Amen? I hope this was a blessing to you. I hope this is a blessing to you and, and that, that you'll leave here uh, knowing who your enemy is, but more importantly, knowing who your God is. And if you're listening on podcasts, I mentioned the journey starts by giving your life to Jesus. The journey starts by saying, I can't do this myself. I'm a sinner. I've failed over and over again. I, I, I've, been, I've been just uh, uh, just controlled by bad habits. And Father, I, I've, been, I, I've lied. I've not told the truth. And, but Father, I, would you... In Jesus' name, I receive his sacrifice. I receive his love and forgiveness. He paid the price, and he accomplished that I could never accomplish by myself. And I want to receive you, Jesus, in my life. said that prayer, and you really meant it. Something happens. God takes residence in your life through a person called the Holy Spirit. And he will never 
tell you a lie. He only speaks truth. God bless you, and have a wonderful afternoon. I am I'm so excited because I'm ending the football season, and 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 that to me is 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 like it, it, it's like I'm free again. I. I <laughs> Because, uh, uh, yes, you know, you can have baseball, you can have basketball, you can have tennis, you can have, oh, golf. Ugh. You know, my, my brother-in-law, he comes, he comes to our house and he likes to watch these golf tournaments. I'm bored out of my brains. But, but football, man, man, watching Green Bay almost win. <laughs> they didn't, but they almost did. But anyhow, free... Freedom's coming, ants, right? So God bless you, Twyla. What? Yeah, right. And Kansas City. Yeah. Oh, don't get me on this. All right. God bless y'all, and uh, we're gonna end the service worshiping Him. And and Twyla, close us in prayer, okay? This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.